Many of us want to know about happiness and how to achieve it. But why is it such a popular issue? And why is its pursuit so significant and so elusive for so many of us? Welcome to the Action for Happiness podcast. My name's Guy, I'm your host. And my guest today is Dr. Andrew Parnham. He joins me in studio to talk about his latest book, Lasting Happiness in Search of Deeper Meaning and Fulfillment. Skype podcasts are fun, but there's nothing I love more than sitting face to face with someone and having a meaningful and uninterrupted conversation. It turns out that the word happy originally meant five, six, seven year, hundred years ago when they started to use it more, um, simply meant lucky. Mm-hmm. He said at the end of his life, um, you know, I've got had everything that anybody wants. I've got money, I've got wealth, but what I haven't got is what I really need, a, a long-term fulfilling relationship. Uh, the research is very clear that it is relationships. If you want to be happy, have healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. That's the number one takeaway. Yeah. But also have some kind of sense of meaning and purpose in your life. What am I on planet Earth for? Dr. Andrew Parnham was brought up in the West Country, but moved to London to study and work as a doctor. This led him to community work in inner London and in the Middle East. He went on to train as a well-being and life coach and also gives regular talks. Action for Happiness is a movement of people committed to building a happier and more caring society. Don't forget to like, follow and subscribe and visit the website actionforhappiness.org forward slash podcasts for more details and to access the latest audio and video episodes. So thank you for doing this. And for, and for coming down to the studios yeah. um, you know one of your quotes you know happiness is having a deep conversation <laughs> with someone that you trust not to dismiss your your thoughts and feelings and so you're, you're in good company thank you good company here today so thank you for sending through the book um, the, f- the first thing that struck me as I went through it is really well written you oh, know, there's, right. there's, there's a lot of books that are that you find on happiness and and on well-being on meaning and fulfillment but the way that it was put together the way you articulated it i thought was was you know was wonderful thank you i could i could sense a lot of education and a lot of uh, <laughs> reflection that's lot, for sure just kind of a lot of reflection but yeah. also there's you know i love the way you use um stories and yeah and quotes and it's you know it was actually um a, a very very fun read as well as very informative so mm, it's really exciting you. to have you here to come wow. uh, yeah and you know now that i've read the book to uh, to throw a few questions back sure. at you and to help you know the listeners and the viewers get a bit of an insight as to you know some of the work that you've been doing yeah brilliant thank you as we've already seen happiness is a tricky word it can refer to so many different phenomena from the trivial to the profound so why tackle the issue of happiness you know and um why was it important for you to to go into so much detail and to you know to put this book together mm. Well, I guess it's the product of a lifetime, isn't it? I'm now in my seventh decade, so I've lived for quite a long time. And for quite a lot of that time, I've been working in inner city London, South London, um, inner London community, you know, the kind of issues that people face, all Mm -hmm. kinds of things. And the group that I was involved in, uh, community group involved in the community, Mm -hmm. um, seeking to engage with people's felt needs, or to put it more bluntly, to scratch where people are itching. Well, Mm -hmm. where people are itching isn't difficult to know. It's kind of relationships, it's jobs, it's housing, it's employment, it's it's stress, Mm -hmm. it's anxiety and depression, it's struggling with the deeper things of life as well as the surface material stuff. So as a result of all that, I mean, the, how I got into this specific thing mm-hmm. was that I then came across 
by somebody who joined the group, somebody who's involved with well-being courses and so on. And this person told me about positive psychology, Martin Seligman. People may know of him. Yeah. And anyway, that's a branch of clinical psychology, isn't it, mm. that is, over the last 20 years or so has delved into and done research on what helps people to flourish. And as soon as I came across that, I thought, these guys are doing our work for us, if I yeah. can put it kind of bluntly. Yeah. In other words, here we are trying to engage with people, see to, seek to improve their lives at all kinds of different levels. And then you discover from these researchers mm -hmm. that people who have uh, who express gratitude and appreciation, people who forgive, people who nurture relationships, people who take notice, notice of nature around, people who invest in the you know, significant things of life, mm. not just the surface material stuff, and who have some kind of purpose and meaning in life, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Those are the people who live longer, healthier, happier, and all the rest of it. All the research is very profound about it, very uh, convincing about it. So yeah. when I discovered that, I thought, this is really important stuff. I need to kind of engage with that. So long story short, I began to put this thing called the happiness course together. Yeah. Because it seemed to me that the kind of um, language, the kind of um, ways of understanding and expressing are really important. So if you talk about deep moral, spiritual principles, you may engage with a few people, and important though that might be. But actually, what are people most concerned about? A happy life, some degree of success, um, relationships and a sense of meaning and purpose. And that is actually the four sessions of this course. So I started doing that. I, I got a grant from the local council and I started doing it. And I found that people were coming back to me and saying, hey, this is really important because mm -hmm. it isn't just the everyday issues, uh, important though they are, the material clothes on my back kind of thing. Actually, what about my relationships? What is true success? What does it really look like? And what's the point of my life anyway? Yeah. Those are the kind of issues. That, and you know, as a result of that, I began to, to do it. And that was 10 years ago. And so I've been running this thing for uh, those, all those years. So I've you've been running a, a, a course. Time. This right. thing called the happiness course is there so, in the back of the book. Yes. Yeah. And, so we um, can, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we can look at that. Mm -hmm. uh, but as a result of that, and this is the answer to your question, really, mm -hmm. um, it seemed to me there's a message here. There's a, there's something to engage with, particularly in our Western culture, though it's relevant to, to any culture, it seems mm -hmm. to me, about um, what is important in life, what we're engaging in. Why is it that we're struggling with stress, loneliness, anxiety, depression, or the whole mental health? These epidemics, that's what the health professionals call it, not yeah. just the, the tabloids. And actually, there's some there's some issues here. And so... Uh, not only in the course, but then taking and, and that's the reason why I wrote the book because I've got had so much in my head yeah. and on my computer. I wanted to try and put it down somewhere uh, because it, there was something coming out of my experience the last ten years that I wanted to not only have myself put down myself, but to be begin to share that message a bit more yeah. with other people. Did you personally suffer from the stress and anxiety that you're speaking of? Was there a, a like a triggering event, or was there? I suppose dispositionally, I have the fortune to be a fairly cheerful person. So my set point is up here rather than down there. Yeah. So I haven't personally experienced um, uh, severe or even moderate depression, anxiety, whatever. But every day we all experience some degree of it, don't yeah. we? So, so because of experiences, 
rejections, hurts, usually to do with people, to be mm. honest, uh, which we always, all of us experience all the time, don't we? That sets up a reaction in, in me or in anybody else, and that can bring you down. I haven't experienced mental illness, but there's plenty of people I know who have, and yeah. uh, it's, it's a spectrum, isn't it? You know, right over here, right through to uh, people who seem to be quite happy, but actually underneath there's, there's stuff going on. Yeah, because I have a mate who at the moment is going through a severe depression, suicidal thoughts, and it's just, you know, it's so surprising. And, you know, some of my other friends, their response is, you know, why do you just man up or, yeah. you know... Pull yourself together, boy. What's the matter with you? It seems so easy. And, you, you know, you were, you were talking about set points. And also in the book, um, there's a graph, page 20, where it's... What I like about it here, and, and I'll put it up on the screen as well, is that you say... 50% as far as our our disposition you know 50% due to the genetics right and we got um a 10% circumstance so your you know your socioeconomic state you know where you live and um and then you and 40% you know which is completely within our capacity <coughs> right and so when we're talking about that that base level or that mm. set level where you know for different people it's mm. you know th- i guess this pie chart mm. kind of can can shift a little bit but it's 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 key to know that there is so much within our grasp yeah yeah absolutely that particular um graph if you like is based on the work of somebody called sonia lubomirsky now she's one of these foremost positive psychologies Mm -hmm. what she did some years ago collated together loads of different studies on what is it that determines people's happiness what they call subjective well-being And she looked around and she studied it and came up with a figure that seemed to be the average figure of all these studies, lots of studies. And up till that point, um, most of those researchers thought actually most of it was genetic. You just got what you were given kind of thing. Yeah. But I think, in a way, this is quite countercultural. In the sense, and, and I, I do make this a bit of an exercise mm-hmm. um, and a bit of a quiz at the beginning of the happiness course. Well, what do you think of those things? It mm-hmm. turns out genetic circumstances, choices are the key components, but they have different contributions. Have a guess and see what you think. Now, yeah. most people think, well, choices are important, maybe circumstances, then and uh, and then genetics. It turns out that genetics is much more than most people think it is. It is, yeah. And that circumstances is a bit less. 10% doesn't, despite what the advertisers tell us, mm-hmm. the research seems to show that the circumstances, financially and all the other things, social circumstances, mm-hmm. which you think would would make a load of difference, actually, would be like, yeah. turn out to be not so... Mm-hmm. However, having, you know, we could talk about that all evening, but the point you're picking up on, it seems to me, is that 40%. So, and the 40% they are saying is is actually down to our free choices, as yeah. after all. Not choosing to do something, not getting out of bed is, mm-hmm. is still a choice. Yeah. And uh, when we have some fun with that, it's quite, you know, people kind of, there's a bit of discussion that goes mm-hmm. on at that point. And, uh, and then I say at that point, well, let's just put the 50% genetic aside from it because mm-hmm. apart from epigenetics we can get into that but that's essentially not what you can do about it, like the color mm-hmm. of your skin the color of your your eyes whatever um which leaves the other 50 percent, which divides up if you call that the 100 percent of something that we can do something about mm-hmm. the circumstances of the choices actually that 100 percent divides into 20 percent and 80 percent 20 percent circumstance and 80 percent then of 
what I can do something about, because I can't completely change my circumstances, maybe, but the choices, those 80% of what yep. I do say, is entirely down to me. And yep. that's really why I have the temerity to write a book or run a course called The Happiness Course, mm. because if it wasn't on the basis of that we can choose to think and act differently, yeah. well, we'd be just stuck, wouldn't we? And that's why when, if, you, if you're first introduced to it, it could be quite liberating and a, and a bit of a relief it's like actually there is so much within my grasp again in my conversations with people our happiness i know what happiness is for me you know i want to make sure that i got put food on the table for my kids and my wife and that's my happiness and in fact there is so much more mm. to it mm. and when you start to dig down it's like yes there's the genetics circumstance as well but what i really like about that is if you're born in the UK or in America, you literally like or in a Western country, you won the lottery, you mm. know, you just, yeah. just, just to wake up and not have to worry about war or, yeah. you know, rape and pillaging. Yeah. And it's such a blessing. Yeah. And, and, and for us to, and it actually helps us, you know, see it through a lens of gratitude. Okay. Definitely. Wow. Just like, wow. Okay. Let me just, wow. Just to even have that circumstances box check, you know, but then, yeah. like I said, genetics out of our hands. Yeah. Right. But the choices, that's the beautiful part because, you know, look at the state of Robin Williams, you know, a successful comedian. Yeah. And we're hearing it quite often now, the the suicide rates for those that you would expect to have all the boxes checked yeah. and yet um, f find the need that there's no alternative yeah. but to commit suicide. They, they s people seem to have it all classically, some celebrity or something. And it seems to work almost the opposite way around, that the more I have pile in lots of wealth, lots of riches, lots of uh, fame, and all the rest of it, lots mm -hmm. of status, mm -hmm. actually can become a huge burden around people's necks. Yeah. And we know, I mean, particularly men uh, in this country, the number one cause of premature death aged 18 to 34 or whatever is, is suicide. suicide yeah. So something's going on here. And like the word that you used, epidemic. Yeah. 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 I mean, I thought last year, Rio Ferdinand and Prince Harry, when they just started to share their inner angsts yeah. and, and depression and mental health issues. Yeah. It's interesting, uh, someone I know is a counsellor, and she said that um, she found more men coming to her for mm. counselling, for therapy, as a direct result of those guys standing up and, and saying something. And I think particularly for men, but it's true for many people in our, like you say, in our culture where mm. it seems to be have it all. Actually, it isn't, it isn't just a mm -hmm. material thing. Yep. And, you know, right throughout the book, I've used this little diagram yep, of a yep, circle yep. Uh, with a perpendicular line down the middle. So you've got left and right. Yep. And on the left is health, wealth and happiness. Happiness is pleasure, really. Yep. Most of which, all of which are good. You know, don't we need to have health? Mm. Of course we do. Do we need a certain amount of wealth? Of course we do. Mm. And it's pretty good to have a, a life. It's, it's like you're saying, in the West, that is our experience mm -hmm. compared to others. Yep. But all the evidence seems to point to the fact that that material wealth and so on in and health needs also the less material side of mm -hmm. things so i put on the other side the right hand side mm -hmm. relationships community a uh, sense of meaning and purpose in life yeah. and therefore a sense of fulfillment and without those life literally becomes meaningless and mm -hmm. freddie Mer mercury said you know he, he died i think he killed himself today but he he certainly it was, uh, wasn't it a, wasn't it aids or was it no he had yeah, aids yeah, that's right yeah. but he said at the end of his life um 
you know, I've got had everything that anybody wants. I've got money, I've got wealth, but what I haven't got is what I really need, a, a long-term fulfilling relationship. And mm. those dimensions of life that you can't buy, you can't, you can't yeah. make somebody love you, can you? You yeah. can't say this is going to give me meaning and purpose. It's those things that, that we are struggling with. Yeah. And for me, that's the heart of our, of our challenge, our issues. And, you know, what, what I really found interesting as well is, you know, the, the etymology of the words, yeah. of the word happiness, mm. because again, I, I love doing that when you dig down to, you know, the origins of words, sometimes, you know, you're really surprised and, you know, but can you explain a little bit about, mm. you know, what, what are the, ori what is the origin of the word happiness? And I, and I guess that can help to, to help explore a bit yeah. more. But, it, sh it sheds a bit of light on, yeah, on exactly. our current situation. The, the chance chance versus the um yeah i mean you only have to go online these days etymology of and, and you find the words and it turns out that the word happy originally meant five six seven years hundred years ago when they started to use it more um simply meant lucky mm -hmm. and we get a sense of that even in words that we have with us so haphazard yep. uh a heap of stones mm -hmm. i just happen to have to, that etc right? etc yeah. et i've listed a few more yeah, yeah still carry that same meaning in other words happy originally simply referred to a state in which things turn well out well for yeah. me things beyond my own control as well as my own choices so in that sense that's how it kind of came to it was it meant lucky really yes uh, only later did it mean uh, a sense of being pleased with mm -hmm. with life in general kind yeah. of thing and so on that basis it's, it's, it is pretty haphazard. It is pretty random as to whether I'm to, going to be happy or not. Well, going back to this to this pie graph, you know, the genetics and the circumstance, if we look at, by, by definition of happiness, I mean, I guess that you could call is, is the, you know, the hap by chance, yeah. Bit, right? Yeah, exactly. Which, which is the origins of that word, mm. happiness, right? And happy. But then what it failed to include was this, the element of choice and the remaining 40%, right? Maybe. Which is less about your circumstance and the the lucky side yeah. of it. And this is what we have in our own control. Yeah. And this is really the, you know, the beautiful, something that I, I took out of it. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, these, I, I love these word studies. Some people yeah. like that turns off some people, but for me, I think it's fascinating. Not only that one, if you put next to happy, the word joy, mm -hmm. and at least as far as the Greek origin of that word is concerned, we're talking thousands, 2000 years ago, but yeah. that still lives with us. Mm -hmm. The word is chara, chara, so C in ang anglicized C-H-A-R-A. That's the root word, which means joy or to rejoice out of that have come other words in the greek charismatic which really uh, refers not to somebody's aura it just mm -hmm. means um gift gifted yeah. gifts and if charisto is still in greek today means thank you so gratitude which is the latin equivalent word of it yeah. gratitude forgiveness um generosity and all those kind of words all have their root in this word joy, which is a much richer word mm -hmm. than the word happy, which perhaps sure. is why happy has come to mean so many different things like you started off yep, with. Right. And Martin Seligman, who's kicked off this psychologist, kicked a off former this. former Action for Happiness alumni. Yeah. There you go. So yeah. I'm quoting the right person here. I mean, he, he came up very helpfully in my, my view, and I've mm -hmm. used his structure a lot, mm -hmm. um, with three dimensions of 
happiness, if you like. One is um, the material world, the world, the pleasant life, which mm. has to do with material. The second is uh, what he called the engaged life. So that's to do with relationships and mm -hmm. sense of satisfaction with job and hobbies. Yeah. But then there was the the meaningful life mm -hmm. and so pleasure mostly to do material engage most to do relation psycho social relational mm -hmm. um and then that sense of beyond me and mine something deeper and yeah. meaningful and he says that you you go deeper and it seems to me that reflects what we're just talking mm -hmm. about just stick with the material health wealth and pleasure mm -hmm. fine but it only satisfies that that first level, if you like, yeah. you need to have relationships and a sense of yeah. meaning and purpose as you go deeper and deeper. Yeah. But these are the more implicit things. They're not in your face. Yeah. I need to have a roof over my head. I have to have a job, mm -hmm. material, health and wealth. And that's what our society in many ways is built on. If you've got that, you're sorted. Well, actually, there's a lot more. And you only yeah. have to look at Maslow's triangle and see mm -hmm. how that operates. That actually so many people have come at it in exactly the same way. And so is that almost, so you're talking about the two levels. Could we say then, because there's a, you know, you, you speak about the um, the hedonic happiness versus the eudaimonic. Yeah. Where the, the hedonic, you know, the, the seeking of the pleasures and the, whereas the eudaimonic is a more of a, a thrive mentality, which, yeah. you know, that's the quality of your relationships yeah. and then the, the, yeah. the, you know, a sense of purpose. Yeah. Absolutely. In fact, I would add, and I think I have added in, just as Seligman comes up with his pleasure or the pleasant life, which is material, the engaged life, which is to do with relationships and so on, a well-lived well life, but then also the meaningful life. So that seems to equate the hedonic is very much to do with material. Yeah. Eudaimonic, which simply means flourishing, doesn't it? It's a mm -hmm. virtue. It's about my acts and my choices. But actually, I think there's a third one still. Mm. And it actually comes out that the, the guy, Paul Wong, the psychologist who came out with it, he called it charonic. Oh, that seems to tap into this same word, kara mm. and efcharisto. In other words, there's that which is you don't actually do anything yourself uh, to achieve it. It's almost like you need to put yourself in the place where this can operate. Mm. What do I mean? Well, if you want to get material stuff, you need to get a job, you need to earn the money, you need to do something about that. And in a sense, even the second level, I need to make some choices, mm. I need to make good choices, I need to make good relational choices. Yeah. But there are so many of Th so many things that actually come to us in life free of charge yeah. that I didn't do anything. Yeah. For example, the air we breathe, the sun we see, other people's love towards us. Mm -hmm. uh, an infant who's a child brought up in a loving family, mm -hmm. they receive it. And there's a sense in which you earn the first one or you insist on it even. Yeah. The second one you achieve through acts. But there's a sense in which you receive yeah. <laughs> the third one, which comes as a gift to you, hence mm -hmm. that word charisma and the rest of it. And I, I find that really helpful because mm -hmm. it's the opposite of work yourself out and make it happen kind yeah. of thing, which is very much the Western approach. Yeah. It's actually a sense in which, and I think often other cultures, non-Western cultures, have grasped this over thousands of years, much better than we Westerners have modern, but actually there's a sense in which you actually need to that's what mindfulness is around, isn't mm -hmm. it? It's kind of and meditation and prayer and so on is the sense of receiving and connecting with something much deeper than that. Yeah. And one of the stories that you included in, in the book was, and perhaps you, you, perhaps you could describe it better about the, um, 
the, the chap that's living by the beach and he's yeah and he, you know he's having a he just goes and he I don't know if he fishes but he forgets yeah. family and then yeah. and it's then beautiful. there's it's this there's it's this guy that's a Harvard business student and he says to you know well this is a great product why don't you you know yes yeah, so about you know expand and grow and then and that yeah so I, I won't give away the the ending but the punchline yeah so. Yeah, whether you read it out, why don't you just... Well, I'll, I'll just summarise yeah, it. Somewhere. It's exactly what you said, right? The yeah. American businessman and the Mexican fisherman. And it's been yes. told over and over again. Yeah. And there's... It's a beautiful story, though. Yeah, the yeah. American businessman, the MBA, turns up at this quiet little fishing, Mexican fishing village, and he mm. meets this fisherman. He says, oh, how are you doing? He says, oh, yeah, I'm a good time. And what he did, well, I, I just do a little bit of fishing. I bring in uh, enough to keep me happy. And the evening, I go down with my friends. We play guitar a bit. We drink some wine, mm -hmm. and I have a great life. And the, the MBA says to him, you're really getting it completely wrong. What mm. you need to do is go away to Mexico City, get your degree in business, build up your fishing fleet, eventually mm. to this mm. huge multinational thing, mm. sell it off at a huge profit. And then, and then the Mexican says, so what do I do then? Mm. He says, ah, that's the best bit. Mm -hmm. What you do is you find some nice little fishing village mm -hmm. and you go and you retire there and you take your wife and your family and you, every evening you can, you can play the guitar and mm. drink your wine and have yeah. a great time. Yeah. And the bloke says, these Americans, they're so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but it illustrates those completely different worldviews that those two people are Yeah, well, inhabiting. one view is your happiness will lie in the future. You do this, this, and this, and this, and they're your happiness. And then yeah. there's the other, the Mexican that's living it. Is, well, my happiness is the journey. It's I'm doing it every day. The fishing, the yeah. drinking, the yeah. all that. That, that, is, that, is, that is the happiness. Yeah, so he's living in the moment. And and also, he's his priorities are not this mega material health, wealth, and pleasure kind of thing. Because he actually yeah. finds pleasure in not so material things like his friends and his yeah. family and music and so on, as well as the necessities. But he says, I've got enough to keep mm -hmm. me on that level. I don't need any more than yeah. that. And we're driven by the need to get bigger and better and richer yeah. and yeah. all the rest of it. And it's, it's totally different. And like you say, it's orientated to the future. And how many people mm -hmm. have given their lives to a vision of bigger and better mm -hmm. materially and then at the end of it, they looked back and said, so, so what was that about? Yeah, it's chasing that left-hand stuff. Yeah. Whereas, you know, without realizing that it's the right-hand stuff, yeah. that's a big part of it as well, right? So when people get, to, classically, when people get to the end of their lives, what do they often say? They say, oh, I wish, they don't say, usually, do you know what? I wish I'd spent more time at the office. I wish mm -hmm. I'd earned more millions. I wish I'd got a few more mm -hmm. degrees. They don't say that. What do they say? I wish I'd spent more. Yeah, more time with the family. You know, I wish, yeah. Those are the regrets, and it's a bit late then. But I, that's I suppose my motivation is is to encourage people to so <laughs> reflect and so choose mm -hmm. that you don't wait. We don't wait until we're on deathbed because it's a little bit late now. Yeah. You're listening to the Action for Happiness podcast, and I'm your host, Guy. On today's episode, I'm joined in studio by Dr. Andrew Parnham, author of Lasting Happiness: In Search of Deeper Meaning and Fulfillment. All right, so what happens after we die? Where, if anywhere, are we going? Yep, that's the question of destiny, isn't it? And mm -hmm. and what I'm going to talk about in the rest of this chapter is about worldviews. And our, the dominant worldview in our Western society is a, is a material one. So, yeah. the, so the universe is essentially made up of matter. 
That's it. There's, there's no other force outside. That's what the worldview is, which, um, well, people call reductionist. So it doesn't leave a lot of room for mystery mm-hmm. or other forces, whether you call them spiritual forces or um, meaning beyond that, purpose and meaning, other than the ultimately deterministic view mm-hmm. that says we're just made out of matter and atoms. And to talk of destiny is almost a non-question because mm-hmm. what's the destiny of the universe? Well, it'll go on for X million years mm-hmm. and then it will peter out. So there is no ultimate destiny for the individual, for the human race and for the universe. And put bluntly like that, that's quite pessimistic. But it seems to me that's the consequence of a worldview, these presuppositions, what mm-hmm. worldview is all about, um, that it just raises questions about what's it all about. All right. Now, the interesting thing about these six points, actually, when you read the paragraph before, mm-hmm. was that this was a study done in, in the Midlands a few mm-hmm. years ago. And they were simply asking ordinary people yep. who, all of whom had no professed faith at all. So we're not talking about yeah, religious yeah. people, we're talking about people. Mm-hmm. And they asked this question, if there's one question you would uh, want to have answered, what would it be? And these six points actually come out of those people's yep. answer to the question. Mm-hmm. So all the, um, the people putting on the survey did was they grouped the kinds of answers together. So these were the kinds of ah, answers that ordinary yeah. people on the street were actually giving rather okay. than what they thought they should say. Yeah. Uh, and so there were open-ended questions, but they were questions about who am I? Why am I here? What's life about? It's funny, mm-hmm. I, I mentioned another point. Ask Jeeves is a search engine, isn't yep. it? And a few years ago, it celebrated its 10th anniversary. And uh, to celebrate that, it published the top 10 unanswerable questions that had been asked and there were things like um did did tony soprano really die Mm -hmm. do blondes have more more fun there's a bit more serious like what's the secret of love what's secret happiness and so on but top of the list was is anybody out there is there a god Mm -hmm. and what is the meaning of life in other words those are the questions that were still in the 21st century still coming in the same essentially same questions Mm -hmm. uh that people have been asking all their lives yeah and my proposal in this chapter is that the answer that our materialistic, mechanistic mm-hmm. worldview, which underpins so much of our culture and society, yep. actually is quite, well, I use the word attenuate, is quite thin, mm-hmm. and it's not very good at addressing those deeper questions. Yeah. Very good at the what and the how, but not yeah. so good at the, what, the, the who and the why. When people go to their doctor... Uh, and they're complaining of whatever symptom it is, mm-hmm. it turns out that there are a whole bunch of symptoms, they called them medically unexplained symptoms, it's very well recognized, mm-hmm. um, that when they go, it's a headache, it's a tummy ache, it's gynecological problems, it's these kind of things, backache. And the doctor does all the tests, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, and they come back negative. In other words, they can't find anything physically, medically wrong with a person. Do they have pain? Yes, they do. Is it causing problems? Yes, it certainly is. Mm -hmm. But can the doctor, the medical model, if you like, I I trained as a doctor, so I'm not Mm -hmm. slagging it off. Um, The medical model as we have it, which is primarily a material thing, Mm -hmm. which came out of, especially out of germ theory in the 19th century, because if you've got an illness, you need to be able to find it. It's a bug. But today, the... um, the, d- the diseases that we're suffering from and dying from, mm-hmm. the top top six or five, are um, strokes, heart disease, lung disease, 
liver disease and cancer, mm. all of those have a very strong, significant lifestyle dimension to them. So the diseases that we struggled with 150 years ago, typhoid, TB, and, the, and they mm-hmm. had a, an identifiable biological reason. Mm-hmm. Today, the most important factor in causing those diseases is you and me mm-hmm. and the lifestyles. And yeah. so this medically unexplained symptoms, how many percentage-wise do you think of people going to their doctor or the outpatient's clinic, what percentage are experiencing these medically unexplained symptoms that can't be explained? I'll say a big percentage. What do you reckon? 70%? Yeah, it's not as high as that, but it's between a quarter and a half. And in fact... Oh, between in, a quarter and a half, okay. Of people going to their doctors. Mm. That's huge. Right. And different studies. And in gynae clinics, it can be up to 90%. You know, people experiencing these things. Mm. That's huge. In other words, our medical model, which is primarily on the left-hand side of our diagram, mm-hmm. where what is most clear and graspable and able to be fixed because we're we're a fix-it society aren't we Mm -hmm. is the physical the further you go over to the right if you like the mental emotional social spiritual challenges and ills they aren't nearly so amenable to uh putting under the microscope and giving a drug to it we Mm -hmm. give antibiotics but they're of um not full fully effective results aren't they we can give antibiotics and in principle we can deal with that but the further it goes over into the emotional and the relational the more challenging and that's why i put health on the left it's a shorthand obviously there's 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 things you can add to it but i have in mind there particularly the kind of health that is in view Mm-hmm. Um, and I think our, our men- mental health challenges illustrate the point really well that uh, so many of the issues we face in mental and what I prefer to call emotional health are in- intractable. They're much more difficult. You can't give a drug to somebody who's experiencing yeah. these things and see it disappear. So is um, how did it feel and, you know, how was... I guess, how has things changed since the release of the book? And, you know, are you planning on a on another? <laughs> well, we'll see how this one goes yeah, first. Yeah. It only came out earlier today, uh, early today, earlier this year. Yeah. Um, so I've had some conversations like this and mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy it because the only, well, with a small F, the frustration is you just start to begin to talk about these things and you want to take it much deeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the limitation of time, but I've really enjoyed doing that. Well, I mean, I've got in the back of my mind, it depends how we get on, if if people really like this and there's a call for it. I've got in the back of my mind something, I don't know what title I call it, something like Beyond Happiness or something yeah. with the subtext, really, that we're looking for happiness and so on and, and in find seeking to find it in the material domain and, and we're struggling. And maybe a subtitle of uh, Wisdom for a Modern Age or something like that. Yep. So kind of taking these things stage further. But I think we've got a lot here to to yeah. get our teeth into first. We do. So how can people get a, a copy of the book and 
talk very um, quite briefly about the about your course because this is yeah. this is the book form of the course, right? So it is. Oh, it, well, so in one it, sense, it is. Obviously, it takes things a bit further. But sure. um, first question, you can get it from the um, publishers. They're called Darton, Longman and Todd. Darton, Longman and Todd, and you can go to their website dltbooks.com. Um, you can buy it there. Obviously, you can get it Amazon mm-hmm. in other ways. So, um, as for the happiness course, well, there's an appendix. There. There's two appendices. One is on uh, the happiness course, and then the second one is my attempt, <laughs> appendix two, in about five pages to yeah. summarize the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, if people, you know, find the whole thing uh, too much, uh, or having read it, to then yeah. try and get their head around the summary. Mm-hmm. But the happiness course, as I said at the beginning, it kind of came out of my my own exercise in, mm-hmm. in the local community. And what it is simply is these four sessions, again, a happy life, successful life, uh, relational life and meaningful life. And in a way, the first two kind of clear the ground for the second two because a la that other diagram, the circular right, diagram, right. it turns out that the, uh, the research is very clear that it is relationships. If you want to be happy, have healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. That's the number one takeaway. Yeah. But also have some kind of sense of meaning and purpose in your life. What am I here on planet Earth for? Yeah. So those are the second two. But the first two as well, obviously, unpack some of the things we're talking about yeah, lays the, that foundation for the yeah there you go yeah uh and each one is an entity in its own right but obviously mm-hmm. it leads to the other and what i found is that um people go on a journey and often say that you're going to go on a journey as we do this together mm-hmm. starts off with what makes you happy ends up with reflections on who am i why am i here kind of mm-hmm. thing and all stations in between and I run it in all kinds of contexts. I've just been running it in South London. I'll probably run it there again in the new year as well. And to find out about the course and to... Go to my website. Yep. Um, I, shall I give it to you? Yep. It's, I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the description. You'll put it but, yeah, but, andyjillparnum.com. Yeah. Lovely. So, uh, and there's Twitter and you know Facebook and all that kind of stuff. But I think, the, what the, <laughs> again, another take-home take thing in, in this age of electronic communication, it is really the face-to-face contact, mm. that's what happens in the groove, that really, it really makes the impact, I think. Yeah. So, um, In Action for Happiness podcast tradition, uh, our final question, um, what matters most for it, you? For me in yep. life, I think it's those two things, really, relationship and meaning. I think the, and they're connected, <laughs> meaning has to be relational for me. Uh, and I think uh, relationships, though they're the source of great pain when they go wrong, mm-hmm. are the richest sort of source of hope and mm-hmm. healing yeah. known to man, I think, known to human mm-hmm. beings. All right. Well, like I said, I really enjoyed this. It's, it's wonderfully written and um, a wealth of knowledge. So thank you very much for coming down and, um, and sharing your, your yeah. wonderful wisdom. Yeah, thank you. I love these conversations. Thanks for your, thanks for your welcome. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And remember, if you'd like to help create a kinder and happier world, please get involved with Action for Happiness. You can join thousands of others who are spreading a bit more happiness in their homes, workplaces, schools and local communities. Don't forget to subscribe, like and follow to keep up to date with all our content. Find out more at actionforhappiness.org. Join the movement. Be the change.